uh, yeah, so I, like we had no bike in the park um, and I was miles away trying to listen for a cue. So I had to kind of sprint in knees high towards my chest. Uh, I didn't have a bell either. So I was frantically screaming, ding, ding. Um, a very Piketian reference uh, that, you know, all, all scholars would, would recognize the, the, the boy that screamed ding, ding at the end of Gato. Yeah. So so I see you've gone from strength to strength after yeah, after leaving pretty us much. a few months ago, James. That's <laughs> wonderful. The improv is strong with this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so very welcome back to this week's episode of Irish Theatre Play with me, your host, Dr. Carol Quigley. And this week, guys, this week, I'm so excited because I'm spoiling you. I have not one, I have not two, but I have three wonderful, amazing, talented, creative, special people here with me today. They are James Corr, Tara Doolan and Pius McCarthy, who are all currently working on Honest Arts production of Waiting for Poirot that's taking place in the People's Park in Limerick over the next few weeks. And I'm so excited and delighted that they're all here. They're going to talk about the show, kind of how it came about, how you can get to see it. And hopefully by the end of this, you will you'll need to go and see it. So I'm going to come to them each in turn now. Firstly, James Corr, the man, the myth, yeah. the legend, the last man standing. The best boy in the class um, for anybody listening to this who doesn't know James. James has just finished his degree with us and um, the BA in Contemporary and Applied Theatre Studies in Mary Eye. And by the end of his programme, I don't know if this is a good selling point for, for the programme, yeah. but by the end of his programme, he was he was the only guy in his graduating class. So um, we got a lot of fun and a lot of slagging out of that. Um, anybody who comes to my classes will know that unless you can take a slag and you won't last long. Anyway, Mr. Corr, tell us, tell us about you. Tell us about you in theatre. Oh, anything, everything yeah. and everything. Um, I, I, I suppose I grew up in theatre. Um, my folks met um, on a Sicilian's production, I think. <laughs> very Limerick. Uh, very Limerick, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it might have been Annie, get your gun. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so um, my dad worked in this void for years and, and, and mom was involved in Sicilians. And then I, I sort of, they were always involved in, in, in um, amateur dramatics inside in the city. So I, I kind of, I grew up backstage um, and, then, and then on stage. Um, I was involved in the expressive arts for years as well. And then, and then torch players um, and college players um, and Limerick Panther Society as well. I spent uh, a lot of time with. So I suppose when, when it came to looking for something to do college-wise, um, I always wanted to be a performer and an actor. Um, and I'd kind of, working in amateur dramatics as well, I'd recognise the importance of learning your craft and um, having more strings to your bow, that you're not just a performer, you're able to do something else, that you're able to you're able to work backstage and you have a, a respect and an understanding for what goes into technical theatre and production aspects as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when, when the CATS course came along, um, and to see just how broad it was, um, I was I was totally sold. 
Plus, it was five minutes down the road, so I didn't have to go too far. Uh, that was that was a big help. Always uh, the practical man. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it, it all seriously, but so it was. Um, the selling point for me with the, with the course was just how widely varied um, my the modules were and the experiences I was going to have were going to be as well. And uh, it's given me great opportunities. I mean, I worked with um, so many different companies throughout my four years um even i might i'd my placement with fidget feet and now one of our dancers on this production i'd known from from fidget feet then as well so that's class it's been great and you, yeah and you learned irish dancing as well along the way so i mean i i i did i learn irish dancing you did, did I irish poorly dancing. imitate irish dancing um <laughs> i think you tried to show me irish dancing i don't know if uh Thought of learned is, is the correct term for that. Like I learned lots of other things, Carol. Lots of other things. Okay, okay, lots of other things. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So Tara and Pius, I'll come to you now. So tell us, you are Honest Arts Productions. Yeah. What are they? Who are you? Tell us everything. Well, Honest Arts was formed in 2013 when I was just leaving Mary I. I was in my final year there doing the arts degree and heavily involved in Midas. So I completely blame Dr. Michael Finneran for my last way in working in the theatre. There is no- I blame him for most things, it's fine. So uh, I have to say without him, we wouldn't be where we are today though, which is something that we're really proud of. So we formed the company because we both in our heads had said, oh, I'd love to do the Edinburgh Fringe and go and work for something there and see what it's about and try and upskill and learn and expand. And we said, well, you know, why don't we just bring a show and just, you know, see what happens and maybe we'll do really well, maybe we won't, but we'll learn a ton along the way. So we had to form a company to bring the show and it was not a joke, but it was kind of like, ah, sure, what are we doing? We'll figure it out on as we go. So we came up with the name Honest Arts and the thing that really uh, stuck with us is that together that makes the term ha because uh, mm. the whole thing is just a bit of, it's fun and everything works and uh, we can swap then who's honest and who's arts. <laughs> Depending, depending on what we need to do on yeah. a certain day so that always works well for us as well we can kind of say who are you today well I'm on it okay mm. I'll be art so and we can uh, divvy up what needs to happen <laughs> I love it it's all very meta theatrical yeah <laughs> well you know just coming out of college I think most people are a bit meta theatrical so yeah. there's certainly a, a rumbling of that left behind and that we've taken with us everywhere we've gone since then um, so our company has slowly but surely continued to grow uh, we did the Launched for Limerick National City of Culture um, very shortly after we came back. We managed to get the show that we brought to Edinburgh and that did quite well, actually, that we were really happy. We had a few sold out shows and in Edinburgh, that that doesn't happen very often. So it's a bit of a big deal when you're Mm. just kind of chancing your arm. Um, We brought that to the Solo Theatre Festival. Yeah, the United Solo Theatre Festival on Broadway in New York. So within the space of four months, we went from Edinburgh to New York. So, you know, and then, yeah, the rest is kind of history after that. Yeah kept coming up with mad ideas and uh, breaking our necks to try and get them put on. And uh, every time we have done that, we've been so delighted that we put in all the effort that we did. That's class. And what are what are your roles then within the company? So in the company, we're both joint producers and co-directors. And on this particular show, Tara is the creative director uh, because I'm producing and in it. um, But we we swap roles um, between creative direction and all our different shows. Sometimes I'd write a show or we co-write. So yeah, we were very much uh, an interchangeable, uh, intrinsically linked, um, you know, body in that sense. So there's nothing that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Um, That's never a situation. So it actually makes for a very easy working um, relationship 
in terms of being in the room, in terms of uh, dealing with production, because we're both designers as well. I'm a light designer and Tara is as well. And we do a lot of um, production design for other companies. We work in conjunction with other companies. We've worked all over the world. We've toured our shows to Toronto, New York, Edinburgh. Um, so, yeah, we, we've kind of just kind of started out chanting our arm back in, you know, 2012, 2013. And here we are eight years later. And now we have a big production, a big ensemble piece. And we, we, have, we have James as part of that. And we're very lucky that we're able to come back to Limerick and have a show of this size and provide these sort of opportunities to creatives that when we were starting out 10 years ago, they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. No, it sounds like a like a, a really wonderful success story. So before we talk about this show um specifically, like te- don't don't just give us, oh yeah, we just went off to New York. Oh yeah, we just oh yeah, we toured. <laughs> give us more. Tell us about the shows. What what kind of work do you do? What kind of work do you like doing? How do you end up bringing it internationally? Stop downplaying it. <laughs> Uh, well, lots of hard work, first of all, but I suppose we were always really interested in exploring um, social topics through art and theatre. Um, we always felt like it was a medium where you could introduce people to something they might not have thought about before, and not that you would be telling them what to think, but that you'd just be starting them to think about it. Um, but also, hopefully, while entertaining them and having them feel something and experience something. So our first production, The Midnight Cowboy, that was really your piece that you wanted to yeah. do. So that's basically about post-Celtic Tiger generation of men who basically never spoke about issues, all issues, mm-hmm. and just bottled everything up. And what the fallout of that was, I had a lot of friends at the time that were working in finance, working in banking when the crash happened. And I mean, it was just relentless, the trauma, the emotional trauma they were putting mm-hmm. themselves through. And then if you track that back, you're like, okay, the houses that they grew up in, you know, that that generation, our father's generation and their father's generation. And over the span of kind of maybe 60 to 80 years, you kind of go, all right, all these problems just being compounded on generation and generation. Circumstances change, but this show was a one-man show and it was looking at the three generations of the same family and how their problems and the different junctions in life and the different kind of milestones were all pretty much the same, but how they handled them was different in some respects, but in some respects it wasn't different at all. And it was just about looking at that and tracking that. And it was, it's, a, it's a coming of age story. It's, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. it's chasing identity. Who am I? What am I? Where am I from? And where am I going? Um, and I, I'm not sure if that has changed in, in you know, in, in the history of our society. I mean, the same problems reoccur again and again. They take different forms, but um, they're pretty much the same issues. So that was the first piece. And that was in Edinburgh in 2013. And as Tara mentioned, Luckily, then the show got picked up, the script got picked up for um, a week's run in New York in the United Solo Theatre Festival on Broadway, which we were amazed at. Um, and but- the one thing we learned is people kept saying, how did you manage that? And the simple answer was, we applied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just chased it down and we looked. And like, I mean, who were we thinking we'd get a show over to New York? Like, what were we, what were mm-hmm. we thinking? But if you don't try, yeah. you'll yeah. never, you'll you never to. know. Like the worst thing anybody could have said was you're not coming. Yeah, that was yeah. our worst case scenario. Yeah. We had nothing to lose, you know. Yeah. And, and and that's that's really important because I think as Irish people, we we have this kind of concept of don't be getting notions about yourself. Who do you think you are popping off to New York there? What do you think, you know, you're the next Hamilton or whatever? But actually nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything. And particularly when you're a young company starting out like that, you don't have anything to lose. No, no. They're we just going to say no, that's it. No. 
that's our worst case. Now, at the time, we had just landed the gig for the launch of the National City of Culture. And uh, we were like, okay, well, that gives us some money. So we kind of discovered at that point that, ah, production work kind of you can mark up and you can cost and you can get your profit margins where they need to be. And that was kind of where our kind of format came, where we started saying, right, well, we're not just making shows. We're also a production company. We can go to other companies who don't have that service and help to provide that for them. So like we partnered with numerous companies across the city and I suppose the UK as well, mm. um, where, you know, they have an idea and they want to put on a show, but they need, you know, designer, someone to kind of production manage, someone to stage manage. And particularly on the smaller shows, you're able to kind of come in and, and just help with that concept and, and bring them to fruition. And that's been something that we've done on large and small scales throughout our own projects, um, which has not only helped us to grow as artists and creatives in its own right, because you're always working and meeting new people and getting new ideas, but it's also been a good way for us to help with cash flow so that we can continue to put on our own work because, you know, you can apply for every funding application in the world. And mm. if it's just someone doesn't like your idea, that's it. You know, yeah. you're, you're really just kind of, um, yeah, in the hands of the gods once you send out your application. I mean, to be honest, like when we talked about going to Edinburgh the first time, the reason you know we went and formed a company was we both needed to work. I wanted to work as an actor, I couldn't get cast. Tara wanted to work as a director, couldn't get assistant directorships. We formed a company, we met our own, you know. So it's like yeah. you have to create the opportunity. It's that cliche be the change you want to see. And don't mm. pass anybody an apology for it because there is no right, there is no wrong. Mm. You don't know what the next trend is going to be. You don't know what the next fad is going to be. It's just do the work, work hard and keep the head down. You know, and it sounds it sounds simple. It's not glamorous. It's mm. really difficult. The 18-hour days are difficult. Writing the third draft of the script at the kitchen table, you know, five hours before you get due to get in the plane to go to the festival your show is being promoted at is not easy. You know, <laughs> doing 17 tech jobs in a week to make ends meet so you have money to pay per diems for a cast you're flying halfway around the world is not easy and like it's not for the faint of heart and i mean mm -hmm. but if you have the passion if you have the passion it's not work that's yeah. the secret you know and yeah. I, I think if you have the passion you have to give into it it's a it's a vocation you know mm -hmm. and once you give into it then you'll find the magic you'll find what it really is because sometimes people talk about theater and total performance like, oh, i was in that moment but it's all the moments that lead up to that moment you know, it's all the other conversation. It's all the other production meetings. It's all, it's all the the static. I call it the white noise that mm -hmm. allows you to get to the place where you want to be. Where it starts directing and directing big picture for me. It's like that moment with an audience, that shared experience. It's mm -hmm. all that leads to that. And sometimes you got to fight harder for it. Yeah, no, and it's it. You know, it's 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 interesting. You're talking about passion there. I mean, it's 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 hopping out of you, like you know what I mean. It's it's literally flowing out of you. And if if we turn now to James for a sec, so you, James, you are now part of a project working with these guys, working on a show. You're fresh out of college. You are where they were in in 2012, 2013. And I know, obviously, you're you're a very strong actor. Um, and how do you, and you know, you've landed this gig here. How do you see yourself actually going forward or, you know, how do you get involved here or what is it you want to do? Um, going forward. Um, <clears throat> I know it's the horrible question. I don't know if I, yeah. God. Yeah. 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 Am I, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't always kind of see myself now as, as just, just an actor. And I don't mm -hmm. think I ever want to be just an actor. I mean, I want to, I want to perform and I, and I know that, I know that moment that, that Pius is talking about that shared experience yeah. with an audience. Like it's, there's something really magic there, but um, I don't know. I think I, I 
called myself a bi thespian before that I uh, <laughs> I'm backstage and and on stage um and I, I and I think that's that's kind of how I'm going to approach things like um I have a few friends now as well who are um past cats students and we're actually talking about a production that we're going to try get involved in in um September so uh that'll be in conjunction with another company and if it goes well with that run then the plan is to to take it uh on ourselves and tour it mm-hmm. so um hopefully that goes well and uh, i'll be back on the podcast promoting that um <laughs> but, no, it's, it's, uh, but it's so wonderful to see this kind of cyclical thing and even now yeah. you have say companies like honest arts who I would assume would give a bit of advice or, you know, well, kind of sharing yeah. experience. <laughs> we already have, uh, which is great. Like, yeah, I was only talking to Tara about it yesterday. Um, and it's great as well, like, because I, I, I'm going to be, for, for this, I, I, I like, um, I'll be actor and perhaps master set design as well for, mm-hmm. for everything and then, and then probably lighting as well. Um, if it comes to it, if it comes to it comes to fruition, so that so that'll be nice because it'll be, um, it was all cats, but our our actress has, has dropped out, so it, it's going to be a three man team of everything, uh, <laughs> trying to do everything. Um, so if it works, it works. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and, if it doesn't, like I'm sure we'll 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 try something else. We were <laughs> ambitious enough. Um, and in the same way um, as as Tara and Pius talking about, you know, if you don't apply, you won't get, don't ask, you won't get. It's the same thing here. If you don't ask yeah. for help or experience or advice or whatever it is, you won't get it. Whereas actually, I think, well, certainly in my experience in, in theatre and the arts in Ireland, people are generous. People want to share their knowledge, you know, and they, and they want to help people out and, and they want to say, you know, here's how you do this or, you know, here's how you fill out this application or, or that kind of thing. So it is wonderful to kind of, once you get into that community and it's a very easy, easy community to get into, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you want to get involved, it's easy enough to get involved. It sometimes can prove difficult to pay the bills, but you know. <laughs> well, there's always, when there's a will, there's a way. And I would yeah. say like we were coming up, we didn't just do everything on our own. We did have bring yeah. people and we did say, uh, how do we get into this venue? How do we do a risk assessment? How do we uh, find uh, flame paper or whatever it is? It's like there were so many things that you have ideas and you don't know. And uh, the generation ahead of us were so supportive in giving of their time yeah. and experience. Like nobody can do this on their own. This has to be something that we support each other on. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for everybody to help each other just allows for a thriving sector. Mm-hmm. And that old adage that as the water rises, we all rise with it. So there's no point in holding on to something. Like yeah. if James does really well with this, then that's excellent mm-hmm. because that's another company in Limerick doing good work and, mm-hmm. and thriving. And mm-hmm. that brings more of a tradition to Limerick of come here to see good theatre. And mm-hmm. we all do better because of that. There's enough room for all of us because in the arts, we're all unique. Yeah. Nobody has the same vision. Yeah. So this isn't really a competition as such. This is just um, an added experience for all of us to go and see a show. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it. it's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's and and I mean the more great work we see, the the you know the more even it kind of brings on your own ideas and your own influences and all the rest of it. So actually, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Everything gets better with that. So tell us about waiting for Poirot. How did it come about? What is it? Tell us everything. So last year 
during the first lockdown, we were having a couple of conversations with uh, Marketa Dowling, who was the director of Beltebo at the time. And Marketa was, you know, talking about doing something outdoors or something that could be um, operational under the confines of the, the lockdown restrictions. And she had this idea of a murder mystery and we had, we had a chat about that and we had a chat then about what that might be and how, how would that work. And we spoke then to Mike Finn and, and, you know, ran this by him and said, look, you know, this is something that might be uh, a viable option, um, you know, for, for audiences. And depend, nobody really knew how the whole COVID situation was going to pan out last summer. And then we, we put in a, an application for a particular funding and the level of funding that we required wasn't available. And that was okay. I mean, we didn't expect it to get it the first time round. But um, after consultation with uh, Louise Donnan, then who's the director of the, the Lime Tree Theatre, um, uh, an application for this year um, was viable. And the application was put in. This was last October. So we kind of forgotten about it. Um, we got a phone call in March of this year. Um, saying we got funded and we were like we got funded for what because we had so many applications <laughs> that you don't get um so, so it's like oh, actors audition. Oh, that's another thing rejections yeah. and get rejected and you will never hear back it's not personal it's just the way it, it, it should be better it absolutely should be better but sometimes actors get rejected and you never hear another word <laughs> but don't take it as a slight it's not um so this is kind of what we expected to happen with this. But then we got the phone call saying, you got funded. We're like, wow, funded. That's great. And I was like, what did we promise them we were going to do? And then we realized, oh, the logistics of this are quite involved and quite elaborate and quite ambitious. And at the time, the lockdown parameters were incredibly intense. We were still under five kilometer restrictions when we found out. And we were right. going, right. So now we have to tailor a show that may or may not have to work in those restrictions or will have to work in the more you know, freer kind of COVID environment we're currently in. So we were kind of straddling that for the last number of months. Um, and I suppose the one thing that we knew for sure was like, we spoke with Mike for a long time, uh, Mike Finn, who wrote Waiting for Poro, about what we wanted the show to do um, and what we could do. And I suppose the thing that really kept coming back for us was that we wanted people to have the sense of having had a night out and to be entertained and to <laughs> laugh and to just have fun, we have fun mm -hmm. atmosphere, fun experience, one where we're not stressing mm -hmm. about COVID and work and is my laptop going to freeze, my Wi-Fi dodgy, whatever stuff you have going on at home. We wanted to just provide a little bit of escapism. And the other mandate that we had was that we wanted to employ as many performers, creatives, crew, technicians as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's quite a large ensemble and it's a quite a large creative team and crew. And that's why it was a very deliberate decision that was very much supported by Lime Tree Bell Table as well, that this show should be about everybody having a good time and everybody getting back to work and creating mm -hmm. work for our local artists. And um, we've been very fortunate to be able to, I think nearly 80% of our overall funding is now going back into the pockets of artists and crews and technicians and creatives. So we're really actually, we're really proud of that. Mm -hmm. And Mike worked with us to help make that happen within the script as well. So. And that was certainly kind of where we started with Waiting for Poirot. Mm -hmm. Where we ended up <laughs> is um, a laugh a minute, wild, over the top, mad piece of entertainment, yeah. uh, which is grounded very nicely at the centre with some uh, reference to Beckett, as you can probably tell, Waiting for Poirot is a little throwback to his uh, very well-known play, Waiting for Godot. So it's just been a whirlwind experience. Mm. Our team are just unbelievable 
Um, honestly, every time that I sit down with them and they have ideas and they say, oh, well, we'll try this at the other, you kind of show up the next day saying, well, what's this going to be? And every time I'm blown away. Mm. Um, you'll see when you, if you come to the park, what they've done in a few of the locations, considering we've so many restrictions, like it's a public park and we can't close it. We don't want to close it to the people in the day. People need their outdoor space in the city centre. So what they have pulled off in a one hour get in and a one hour get out every night is just astounding. I think James, you'd agree. It's pretty. Oh yeah. 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 Like, and there's, um, there's other cats members as well on the the production team, the technical team as well. Like, um, uh, and just like, that's, that's an amazing, amazing feat. Like, and that was, it was was so well rehearsed as well that they, that they like, um, they got it down to an hour. It's amazing. And it's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of set that has to move. Yeah. It's good that you brought up the other BA cats member, James, because, um, Mm. We started talking with Mike Finneran about how we might be able to, you know, engage with the cats course. When we had this project and we have such talent to cast and such talent to crew and such an opportunity for learning mm-hmm. um, for the people coming out of the course, if they were interested and in, in available to come on board, that we would only be too delighted to have them. And I have to say the level of professionalism and the amazing uh, willingness to work and be patient and offer up ideas <clears throat> that is coming out of that course is just astounding. And I think James kind of hit the nail on the head that it's so broad. Like people mm-hmm. come out and it isn't like, oh no, I'm I'm an actress. I don't know how to do this. It's like, yeah. I, I love acting. That's my favorite thing. But can I go to the shop and get anything that you need? Or, you know, mm-hmm. can uh, how do you do this? How does that light work? How does, it's complete engagement all the time. And we're really now fortunate enough to be in a position that we can say, right, this is your responsibility. Will you take care of this? And I don't worry about it. I know it's going to be done and it's going to be done well. And they're very much a part of the team. It was only yesterday, actually, we had several of the cast members reading in and um, we've them all understudying because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So they, it's, and I think it's one of the hardest jobs, to be honest with you, because an understudy, they have to almost know what the other cast members do and they can't throw off the whole ensemble so they not only have to learn the lines and the dialogue and the blocking but then they have to be able to carry through somebody else's mm-hmm. performance in a decent way and um we had sarah and jessica reading in yesterday people at appointments and whatnot and they couldn't attend and they just were fantastic they, we didn't miss a beat the whole mm-hmm. rehearsal yeah. we were able to move forward because they were trained and prepared mm-hmm. and all that time they've been sitting and waiting they were learning their lines they were watching the blocking they were making their notes and they just were fantastic it was a really really big asset for us mm. and it'll be an asset to us in the future as we continue to grow as we hope that we're going to know that we have these people coming along that we're going to be able to say well now they're coming out we've got another batch of fourth years finishing mm. up so we know what we're getting we're getting really well-trained people that can come and work with us and it's a problem, like we struggle to find crew and we tr- struggle yeah. to find people of different age brackets for casting or somebody who wants to be an assistant director or assistant stage manager. Those roles were really, really um, hard to fulfill mm-hmm. in Limerick for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And to have this wealth of experience coming out of these really young students mm-hmm. is just such an asset to us as a company. Well, I have to say that that makes me feel like a kind of a proud mother hen that I had <laughs> some way involved. But now, James, can you see why for four years I gave you grief about being late for class? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> okay, it wasn't for the good. Of, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for the good of my own health because they would hear me for using like professional standards. If if you're here at five to the hour, you're on time. If you're here on the hour, you're late. You know. Um, so yes, it's it's nice to it's nice to see that that um some of them that you know that that you're working with some of the guys and that 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 they're coming out. Um, Hopefully between between the whole department we've yeah we've we've drilled some good stuff, yeah. good stuff but they're wonderful I mean they're great like I have to say our students have to be the most passionate the most energized the most excited you know like when I'm working on shows with them and, and they're exactly the same it's how does this light work how does this and I'm going don't ask me about the lights that's not that's yeah. not my remit <laughs> ask me about other things not lights um but yeah no that that that's wonderful so James how did you end up in the cast? How did I end up in the cast? Um, well, I there was an open audition, um, and uh, and I auditioned for Poirot. I auditioned for three or four different things as soon as I came out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poirot got back to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> just as Pius was saying, like, you know, yeah, just dead silence, and then I got an email from Poirot. So, uh, um yeah, and, and and but that's but that's you know that's the gig. That's the gig. You mm-hmm. you try your hand at a couple of different places, and then and then you get back. I got uh, I got Poirot, and then um, I had my first um, television debut. It was a, a featured extra on um, on Hidden Assets. So that'll be out in this in the spring if I'm not caught. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's wonderful. So yeah, so it was it was I I think some of it some of it was 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 probably luck. I think some of it as well was every, everything I learned from the course too. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really delighted to have such a great opportunity as soon as I'm out of college and uh, growing up in Limerick, um, honest arts, I've always looked up to. Um, waiting in line was a, a case study for our technical theater module. Yeah. What? Yeah, for uh, Mario came in to to talk to about to us about projection and everything, and so so we went through a whole case study waiting in line. Um, so a, a lot of cats were familiar as well with Honest Arts and with who Tara and Pius were already. Like so, um, I think for all of us it was like uh, that was a really big moment. We're like, oh my god, look at these, we're working these with, actual, with the big with the big girls now. Yeah, yeah we're working with actually working with professionals. This is amazing. <laughs> Uh, and so you've mentioned how the show has taken place in People's Park, which is obviously not a kind of a traditional theatre setting, which is wonderful in terms of the dreaded C word and all the rest of the things being outdoor. Um, but you mentioned that the show is site responsive. You would describe yeah. it as site responsive. So what does that mean? So from a design point of view, I mean, everybody's familiar with site specific work, you know, that you're mm-hmm. in the confines of a particular environment, but, but site responsive is much more, we're going to work with what is in the environment. As in, there is an art gallery there. There is a cafe attached to the art gallery. We're not going to make that disappear. And we're not going to try and make it disappear. Mm-hmm. We're just going to use sleight of hand to make you forget that it's there for maybe a moment. You know? And it, it's very much about taking people into the environment you're trying to create, but also working within the confines of what that environment is. Um, we're not going to, because obviously, you don't have the budgets to, you know, create completely um, 
false um, set, settings. You know, you just have to work with what you have. So, you know, for example, we have trees. Okay, we'd like the trees to make noise. Well, then we're going to put some chimes on the trees. You know, we're going to use all the, the aspects that are there in the park. Um, it, and even like when we're blocking or we're preparing hmm. something, it's not like, oh, well, this is how this, show, this scene will look the best. It's like, okay, well, we've got a rough shape in it. Now let's get to the park. And you put it into the sit setting in the park and all of a sudden the whole thing kind of shifts and you don't just say oh well no this is what we rehearsed you say okay so now we've got that shape so let's take what we have here and let's expand on it and let's Mm -hmm. like there's some beautiful trees framing this how do we include those trees how do we make this a part of it and even with regards to sound i mean we've opted for acoustic live sound we've got a band of four that'll play through the performance and that's also irresponsive in a way because there are neighbors there's apartments overlooking the park so we don't want to amplify that we don't want to disrupt their life to that level so that's something that we made the decision on and then you're like okay well if you don't have it amplified then you might not be able to make it as quiet or as loud as you want to make it so it's like okay well why don't we move the band yeah so if we want something underscoring why don't we just put the band an extra 15 feet away they can still play their instruments really well but now all of a sudden it's an underscore and it's not taking over what the dialogue is so it was very much a case of this is how we can make it work within our confines but like let's respond to that and make gold out of it if we can um and and i think it's really worked it it was a very nerve-wracking the first few days when you're up there going i think this is all gonna work out because you know we weren't there for the first week we were in the rehearsal room and Mm -hmm. then you get up there and you say okay yeah it it does work and now we can make it better and better and better and then we've been responding all week to our surroundings which has been fun yeah Yeah. amazing and Then just kind of on that and where it is, how do you deal with potential accessibility issues Um, or, you know, say for for audience members who may find it more difficult to to Mm. kind of be in the space? Are audience members moving in throughout the show? Yeah, so there's there's four to five key scenes and each scene runs as, you know, a duration just quite longer than maybe maybe between 10 to 15 minutes, depending. I mean, the entire duration of the show is about 70 minutes thereabouts. Um, And we have not discouraged people from bringing bringing their own kind of fold-out stools and fishermen's Mm -hmm. chairs and that type of thing. Um, We're not going to have people on sun loungers, you know, but we are allowing people to bring in small little chairs if they want. Um, And we the audience split up as well. If special access patrons... um, would like to meet at the People's Park, that would be facilitated as well, so they don't have to go to the bell table. Um, that would just be for special access patrons only, mm-hmm. um, because they, the, the main um, the main dirt of the show starts at the bell table proper, and the audience are escorted from the bell table up, and that's all part of the whole, um, the whole world that we're creating. We're leaving all the COVID protocol at the venue, so people will come in, they'll get temperature checked, they'll um, have fulfilled their questionnaires, they'll get the wristbands, and then they'll be escorted to the, the park proper after that. So, I mean, in terms then in the park, I mean, the park is, is, is very well catered for in terms of pathways and walkways. And we've kept a lot of the traversing on the main pathway and that's to accommodate everybody. Um, this is wheelchair friendly yeah. and it is um, if you have a walking stick, anything like that, where you're not going to be climbing over grass. Yeah. It is all designed to be on a pathway that is safe and accessible. Mm-hmm. It is a challenge for people if they have difficulty walking. We do recommend if you have a wheelchair or a Zimmer frame, bring it. You know, there you can use it. You can have that support. But we have, I hope, struck a balance between moving enough around the park that people get to experience the park because that is our beautiful set. But not so much that people are going to be um, feeling like they can't yeah. join us, that, that yeah. there's a balance there within that. 
Um, but people can bring a pop-up chair if they need to sit. I know standing can be difficult for some people. Walking is easier. So we can allow pop-up chairs and we will have stewards that will be able to, you know, help people out and say, you know, can you clear this pathway so this person can sit down here? Um, and, you know, it's going to be a challenge for sure, but it's as accessible as I think we can make it. No, brilliant. No, it's it's just lovely to hear that, you know, th- those kind of things are definitely being considered because I think oh, yeah. in years gone by, it's the sort of thing that people may have easily forgotten about particularly in terms of site specific or site responsive work um so that's wonderful that, that it is very much considered and i'm sure if there's anybody with any um kind of particular worries or that you know they can always contact the bell table and and discuss the it individually they're fantastic yeah. as well if they do get a request in that they're not sure about mm-hmm. they're straight on to us and we're just yeah. finding solutions so yeah. they've been a huge support with regards to giving people the information that they need um and hopefully guiding them in the right direction yeah Brilliant. And I suppose, I mean, we, we've danced around the dreaded C word a bit, but <laughs> we need to come to it just a little bit. What is is it like making theatre in COVID? I mean, I know, James, this is your second show because we had your, your fourth year show. Um, yeah, third COVID third production, show. but wow. second, second, second theatre production, third, right. third COVID production. Yeah. And what what is it like? creating and staging work in a COVID world mask like I know when we worked in the fourth year show everybody was masked for everything and stayed masked and you know and obviously that brought with it its own kind of um amplification challenges and 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 all the rest of it um but yeah what is it like for you guys as a company working with this it's really really hard there's no other way about it Mm -hmm. and every time you have a great idea you have to stop yourself and go wait can't uh, no okay so now if we take that idea and we twist that idea then now we can kind of almost get what we want to do mm-hmm. it's really hard on the cast um again masks are so hard they're taking all their expression just from here that's all just their eyes it's all that anybody's reading and as you know like that is so key for interacting with each other mm-hmm. that's a challenge amplification is a challenge um fresh air breaks are good mm-hmm. we found that they've actually increased productivity people are are giving people the regular breaks that you may not otherwise you kind of want to power through things or get stuff done it's actually been really really effective and that's a positive that we've taken away but um the constant reminder of that COVID world and keeping people calm as well like I mean it's such a responsibility to say to people we're going to do everything in our power to keep you safe but also ask you to be in a room with you know 12 to 15 people today Um, Mm and that's that's hard it's Mm. it's a responsibility that we're completely uh aware of like we can't we can't ignore that um it's okay though because our team are so on board everybody's so good with the covid protocols um our stage manager is just fantastic for keeping on top of it as well the hygiene level is just amazing i have to say they've been so good at wiping stuff down not sharing things and we've got access to a, a really good advisor and Brian Murphy, who has worked with me in the past regarding COVID, and he's just a genius when it comes to it. And he has such amazing solutions and affordable products that we can use to increase safety and um, all of that. And I suppose the really amazing and scary thing for all of us is going to be when we go outside and we take our masks off yeah. to give our performance. Um, being outdoors, we're feeling really kind of safe. And um, we've got some bubbles within our cast and everybody's comfortable within those bubbles cast are being really responsible in the context they have outside of the room so that we're not bringing them all into the room with us every day and uh, we have 
are blocking it's just so strange you're trying to make it look like a show but also trying to keep distance mm. constantly mm. it's the strangest thing and um, we have uh sisters who, in the show who live together so we're able to allow them to get really close personal because they share the same home all the time share the same room on occasion if they want to so um we get a little bit of moment where we can have some closeness there and then it's just choosing the moments where we have brief closeness and trying to get the maximum impact we can out of that uh so hard <laughs> yeah no I, I know myself so so I, I produced the fourth year show this semester and then I directed and devised the second year show before Christmas and for that show we just went no do you know what we're specifically devising the show so that everybody is in these different rooms in a house that just happened to be these two meter square boxes and like I said no we're just doing that so then it's not weird and everybody's talking to this intercom system so that we don't actually have any face-to-face conversations because it was just it was proving too hard to try and have a realistic conversation and you know all the rest of it so and will audience members be required to be masked Absolutely. 100%. Everybody must be masked. That's not only to just protect themselves, but also to protect our performers. And that is an absolute non-negotiable. I know we're outside, but from Honest Arts perspective, if you don't have a mask, then please do not come to the show. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and I think you're right. I just think it's important that that you get it out there. So then there's no, well, I didn't know. And you're going, well... The library are uh, currently getting together our packs that are going to go out to everyone beforehand, so they might need an overnight to read them. <laughs> no, they're not that long, but, but that is a key point for us, and it's really important that uh, we. You never know how people feel about COVID, and you know you can't judge people for how they feel about COVID. Mm. And the easiest way to combat that is if everyone wears a mask, then nobody's uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, wearing a mask doesn't cause any adverse effects on people. Somebody has a health issue, obviously that's a whole other story but mm-hmm. wearing a mask is pretty painless when you you think about it and it yeah. provides so much comfort to so many people mm. um, yeah yeah no no you're right and the the other dreaded thing that I think we we just need to touch on a bit because the show is taking place in Ireland yes it's July but it is Ireland yeah. um, if I'm going to the show one night and I look out and it's absolutely pouring down like is the show a look I mean you know audience members can wear jackets and and all the rest of it but can the show go ahead in the rain well James asked this question on day two yeah. <laughs> and you want to replay the conversation uh, the, yeah uh, so I asked the question and the answer from my lovely creative uh, director was you get wet young core you get wet <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think that is reasonable. Yeah, yeah, so then, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, there's no fear that you know the, because of tech or whatever lighting, no. you know, that you would actually have to to not have it on if it was raining. No, no, that all comes back to the site responsive approach as well. I suppose really it's something that we did know was going. We will have a night when it rains. Yeah. There's no yeah. doubt there in my mind. We're in Limerick. I happen. have sat through shows in the park in London or New York or Edinburgh mm. in the lashing rain, and I bring a coat and I bring an umbrella and I bring good shoes and I go home and have a shower and it's fine. Um, it's not ideal. Obviously, a beautiful sunny weather is what we want, yeah. you know, or even just mm-hmm. not rain. We'll take mm-hmm. not rain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Just> not rain. <laughs> but, uh, That's such an Irish response. 
<laughs> but our cast, uh, our costume designer is amazing. She's back up costume. She's all of that covered for our cast. They can change between shows to keep them safe and warm and prevent any colds or sniffles that could arise. Um, we have certain sections that we're going to play more out towards the audience in the more park area, but they can be very easily shifted under mm. shelters at different points if we do have a torrential downpour at any yeah. reason. Um, so, yeah, we've been quite careful. There's one scene where the only solution is that the cast have umbrellas and you know, that's okay. We're in Limerick and it rains and yeah. that's what it we is. We have lots of contingencies. All so the contingencies. We have lots of standby pop-ups and umbrellas and whatnot. So look, we're prepared for it. We're Limerick people and we are well used to Limerick weather. So. Yeah. <laughs> we go wheelbarrow full of umbrellas. Literally. Literally a wheelbarrow full of umbrellas. Well, I'm yeah. impressed because I always try to tell people in Dublin that no, you don't understand. It rains more in Limerick. And they're like, that's not true. I'm like, no, it's cold. It gets colder in Dublin in the winter, but it rains more in Limerick. And then the odd time when I've had somebody down with me in Limerick, like, for example, um, the set designer for, for our shows last semester was a friend of mine based in Dublin. And she came down with me. And the day she was down, it was like midsummer. And I mean, this was March. <laughs> it was like midsummer. She said, like, what are you talking about? Limerick's amazing. Limerick's good. Anytime I've had somebody down, they think, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Is there any chance you could bring someone down from Monday? For a yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Just fingers crossed. I remember once somebody, um, so I think I was talking to my mom or something one day. She's like, oh, it's raining heavily. I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, when did it start raining? I said, probably about 1975. <laughs> I don't think it's snow. I'm not suggesting that Dublin is dry and wonderful, but Limerick, it rains more. It does. There's no it doubt does. about it. We have a different type of rain as well. They have that spiteful rain. It hits the ground yeah. and hits you in the face. If we can get you on the way down, it'll get you on the way back up. Well, I remember um, I, I did my undergrad in UCD and if anybody knows UCD campus, there's a, a concourse the whole way down kind of the main strip of it with this, um, you know, stone covering the whole way down, um, which is not really great in the rain. And, and the, the, the joke goes that whenever it was built, um, the it was a Polish man, I think, who built it. And he was asked, you know, well, like, this doesn't really keep the rain off people. And he said, well, there's nothing I can do about your effing sideways Irish rain. <laughs> <laughs> so and he's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. So yeah. the show is, well, by the time this episode comes out, so the show's about to start in terms of when we're recording this, but the show will have, have started um, on Monday the 19th. Is Monday yeah. the 19th? Who knows yeah. what day it is anymore? Mm-hmm. And it's running until August the 1st? Correct. Correct, yeah. Wonderful. So you'll have loads of time actually here this to go and see it. Um, if people are looking for tickets, contact the bell table. LimeTreeTheatre.ie Perfect. Um, and where do you... What do you want to get out of the show? What are what are you hoping for? What would you like to bring it somewhere afterwards? Or, you know... Oh, yeah. I mean, like, why not tour? We yeah. love touring. Yeah. Um, this is a show that can go on in any park. Mm-hmm. This can happen anywhere. This is what's so nice because it is site responsive. Once we have our cast, we can go anywhere and pick spots mm-hmm. and make them pretty and put the show on. And, uh, you know, that's something that we hope that we can do with the show. But most importantly, we hope we can create a tradition in the People's Park that July is the month that theatre happens in Limerick. in Limerick and in the People's Park and that that is something that can carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've proven it possible, hopefully. Uh, we'll yeah. see in the next two weeks for sure. Mm-hmm. But we have everything we need there now to do that. And I have to say that Limerick City and County Council have been a huge support to mm-hmm. us and they've really helped facilitate what we need in the park for us. Yeah. And now that it's there, 
why not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Between Limerick City and County Council and Limerick Civic Trust, they've just been fantastic supports to the whole project, yeah. you know? Um, and really they're the sense of what we are about now in terms of the wider theatre community, and they can see what the benefit of that is to the city and the county as a whole. It, it, it's a different offering, you know? Um, so I think if we can build on that and they can come back year on year, become an annual event in the calendar, that's success. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, and that that's incredible. I mean, I think if there's one thing we've learned from the last 15 months or 27 years, however long it's been going on, mm-hmm. um, we need the arts. Yeah. We all need the arts. You know, it doesn't matter how you interact with them, but, but we need the arts and, and we need to support the arts. And it's it's so exciting to see a company like yourselves that's coming through, that's, you know, done so much, so much experience um, and and continuing to make incredible work. And then also to see the likes of James and the cats and and all of those guys coming through now and and starting to create your own your own work. Um, and so that that is absolutely amazing. Well, look, I mean, we could stay here chatting all day because it's all super exciting but I should probably I should probably cut it off at some point but any final words be it to be honest about literally anything at all be kind be kind be kind and be patient yeah um, and that's kind of our rule for this whole show that's our, mm-hmm. our rule with all our work yeah be kind and be patient you don't know what people are going through everybody's got a story that you don't know about so be kind that's yeah kind of this really mm-hmm. i think i mean you can't really put up any better than that be kind and be patient and i'm so excited about this work i think it's going to be absolutely incredible um and i'm so excited about live theater yes the whole the whole concept of actually going to theater is 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 wonderful but thank you so 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 much to all three of you for taking your time um out of your i i can imagine incredibly busy and hectic um <laughs> rehearsal schedule i'm sure it's going to be amazing break mm-hmm. all of the legs and and i'll put all of the details and everything um on the the podcast and on the instagram post and all the rest of it so people can find out all the crack and yeah thank you so much Thank you, Thank you right. so much. Thanks, Carol. Thanks.